0: It is a glorious thought. Turn to Romans chapter 6, if you would, this evening. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that shall we shall also live with him, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died in the sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed in the sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Tonight I want to look at the meaning meaning of scriptural baptism. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity to have we together, together, to be assembled together, (coughs) excuse me, and to open your precious word. And I pray as we look at this subject tonight, I pray that you teach us, instruct us, and challenge us uh, in our walk with you. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as there is of much Bible doctrine, there's a lot of confusion about baptism. I remember the first time that I was confronted with or spoken to about or was uh, had somebody talk to somebody about infant baptism, um, <clears throat> that was kind of a surprise to me as to why they baptize infants. And uh, the man said, well, you know, yeah, it doesn't save him and it doesn't wash away sin, but it does wash away the original sin. I'm not sure what that's supposed to exactly mean. The original sin nature, I guess, that they inherited from their parents is supposed to kind of do something with that. Um, Of course, there's a lot of different methods and modes that people use to baptize that have been passed down through the centuries. But there's only one scriptural. So as we think about the the meaning of scriptural baptism and its its requirements, I want to notice, first of all, it requires a scriptural subject. Baptism requires a scriptural subject, and that is a child of God. Somebody that's been saved or born again. We call it believer's baptism. In Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, of course, so they to teach all nations the doctrines of salvation, and then when they get saved, they are to be baptized. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and there were added unto them 3,000 souls. In Acts chapter 8, you know, wherever you find it in the scriptures, Acts chapter 8, verse 12, says, But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they believed, and then they were baptized. And chapter, in verse 36 and 37, the eunuch, it says, And as they went on their way, they came under a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. In chapter 10, when Peter goes to Cornelius, in verse 43, at chapter 10 in the book of Acts, it says, To him give all the prophets witness, that through his name whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because it on the Gentiles also, notice, was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Unsaved people do not receive the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. And so they they believed, they received the Holy Ghost, and they were Baptized In Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer in his household, in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, it says, And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He didn't say, What must I do to be baptized? He said, What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. So, you know, everywhere in Scripture you see baptism. It speaks of people being saved and then they are baptized. And, of course, for a person to understand salvation, they have to have uh, come to an age of understanding, which, infants, that's impossible. So it requires a scriptural subject. It's, it's what we call believer's baptism. It also requires a scriptural method. And that is, of course, immersion, or better referred to as dipping. You know, we don't, immersion has the idea you put it under and you keep it there. Where is he? Uh, we're not going to do that tonight, but, you know, it, w- you dip. Uh, and this is, of course, evident from the meaning of the word and examples in the Bible. The word the Greek word is actually, they, they didn't really change it when they translated it into English. The Greek word is baptizo. They didn't really know what to do with it, so they kind of kept it the same. Anyway, and it means dip, immerse, plunge, or fully cover. And wherever you find that they baptize in scriptures or a reference to it, it's, it's evident there's always, uh, it's always by uh, Dipping. In John chapter 3, when it speaks of John baptized, he baptized near Enon in the Jordan River because there was much water there. Years ago, I had an old Mennonite fellow try to tell me that, well, some of our people have been over there where John baptized, and, and the water's real shallow. I'm sorry, but that was 2,000 years ago. And this, the Bible says there's much water there. Not real shallow water. Uh, no, John baptized him Aaron because there was much water there. You don't need much water to sprinkle on somebody's head. Or to pour a little water on it. It doesn't take much. No, he needed much water. Jesus, it's evident from the, what the scripture teaches or says about the Lord Jesus' baptism in Mark chapter 1, verses uh, 9 and 10, that Jesus also was baptized... By immersion. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan, and straightway, notice this, coming up out of the water. And again, you don't have to come up out of the water if you're just going to have some poured on your head or sprinkled on you. He came up out of the water. He saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. So he come up out of the water. When Philip baptized the eunuch, they went down both into the water. And he baptized him. Down both into the water. And he baptized him. And here in our, in our text that we use, in Reve- uh, Romans chapter 6, in verse 4 it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism. Buried with him by baptism. How do you bury somebody? By pouring something on their head. Or sprinkling a little water on them. You don't. Colossians 2.12 says, again, buried with him in baptism. Uh, And and the, the picture is clear that baptism, again, pictures the burial of Christ. And to use any other method or mode is to violate or discredit the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it requires a a scriptural subject, a scriptural method, but also there's a scriptural message. A scriptural message. And I want to notice three things here. Baptism, first of all, pictures and proclaims the new birth. Go to Galatians chapter 3 for just a minute. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, verse 26 and 27. says, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a a prerequisite here for being the children of God. It's by faith. You put your trust in, in Christ Jesus. And then it says in verse 27, for as many as you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So, so it, it pictures, it proclaims that we have put on Christ or we've trusted in Christ and we are, we are living for Him. That we've been born again by the grace of God. That we are a child of God. It testifies to that fact. That we have been born again by the Holy Spirit of God. So it proclaims, it pictures of new birth. It also pictures and proclaims that I believe in, of course this is what the new birth really is, The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 2. Keep your place in Romans. We'll be back there. But Colossians 2 and verse 12, it says, Bear with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So buried with him, or in the likeness of him, in baptism, in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4 again, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You know, So, so really, baptism here pictures and proclaims that, that I believe in the death of... Burial and the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I accept the bodily resurrection of Christ by faith. And, and, and when you do that, you're really declaring him to be the Son of God. You know, that was the that was one of the bones of contention that Paul had with the Pharisees. It was over the resurrection. The resurrection. Romans 1 4 says, when he wrote to the churches at Rome, he said, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness. How? By the resurrection from the dead. See, it's the resurrection that sets Jesus, Jesus Christ apart from, from any other uh, of those who claim themselves to be God. Where's Muhammad? Where's all the gods? They're all dead. Or all the founders of religions, they're all dead. But Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the grave, proving that He is the Son of the living God. And baptism, being buried and brought up out of the water, proclaims that I believe in the resurrection of Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Thirdly, Baptism pictures and proclaims that I am dying. I am burying my old life. Myself. I'm burying myself. And that Christ is going to be Lord of my life. Look here in our text, Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like us Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planned together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So the message is, The message of baptism is here that I am bearing my old life and I'm going to resurrect to new life in Christ no longer living for myself but but now living for the Lord Jesus Christ. That I've got a new master. I have a newness of life. Newness has the idea of a new quality of life or a freshness. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And it's interesting he says here, planted together in the likeness of his death and in the likeness of his resurrection. You yeah, the body of flesh... with its limitations to the old, has limitations to the old man. The self, the old nature, cannot overcome sin. It can only die. And even Jesus' body that he had while he was here on earth, he limited himself in a body of flesh. Go to, go to Philippians for just a minute. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. <clears throat> you know, his body that he had while on earth, you know, he limited himself. Um, Philippians 2, verse 7 says, But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a certain servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he limited his, himself in, the, in a body of flesh, and his fleshly body was killed. It died. See, it had limitations. And the old man has limitations. Limitations. Because of our sin nature, it does not have power over sin. But we're also planted in the likeness of His resurrection. Now when you think about the resurrection, it speaks of a body that cannot die. It's to receive new life. We're given a new nature. A nature that's capable of overcoming sin. And that's what this chapter is really about here. If he goes on and read, it says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. We now have been given the power to overcome sin. He says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him, and death hath no more dominion over us. So we've been given a new nature, new life, and and, and that which will not die or ever be separated from God. You know, death really in the Bible is just separation. We don't cease to exist. Death is being separated from God. You know, Adam and Eve, uh, the Lord said to them, the day you eat there, you shall surely die. And they did. They were separated from God. Death is a separation. And when we receive that new nature, it's to receive a nature that will never be separated from God. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, who can separate us from the love of Christ? And he gives a whole list of things. So, so as we think about resurrecting to a new life, and this, is of course, all takes place in new birth, you know, baptism is just a picture of that. It's not where we get it. It, it's all given to us at salvation, but baptism is a picture of the the new life that Christ gives us when we are born again, and we're testifying that I'm burying the old life and I'm going to resurrect to new life in Christ, a life that can have uh, that and a new nature that's capable of overcoming sin. Let's read on here in verse uh, verse ten. For in that He died, He died in the sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God, and that's what we are to do. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace." So the old man can never overcome sin, but the new life in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is capable of overcoming sin through Christ. You know, Paul said it this way in Galatians two twenty: "I am crucified with Christ." In other words, myself, I've crucified. I've reckoned my old my life dead. I've given up on self. Yeah, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was an educated man. He was, go- he was somebody going somewhere in Jewish history. But he said to Philippians, I count it all but done. That I may win Christ. So I crucify myself. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So now I can overcome. You know, and he talks about, you know, he struggled with sin in his life, but he says, thanks be unto God, which giveth me the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he he wrote to the Ephesians. In fact, go to Ephesians chapter 2. He wrote to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, and there's an interesting statement I want to bring out here. Of course, he talks about uh, being born again, verse 1. And you hath be quickened, or, be, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, although you were separated from God. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know, that is the life of, of an unbeliever. They do uh, that which pleases self. They, 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 they live to please self. "...among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, or made us alive, quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, create, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we've been given new life, we've been quickened, and we've been raised up together, And he says we've been made to sit together in heavenly places. Our position in the sight of God is we're already in heaven. The, The transaction has been fully paid. Redemption is complete. We just haven't received the last part, which is the glorified body. But well, as far as God's concerned, it's done. It's a done deal. And baptism pictures that—that that I am dying to my old self and resurrecting to new life, new life in Christ. That I've been quickened, I've been made alive, I've been given a new nature, an indwelling Holy Spirit to help me to overcome sin. And to lead me in the paths of righteousness. And walk in the newness of life. So that's the scriptural message. So we see a scriptural subject, a scriptural method, a scriptural message. Then fourthly, a scriptural administrator. Now that is a New Testament Baptist church. You know, John, John was the first baptizer and the Bible says in John 1: 6 I mentioned this this morning that there was a man sent from God whose name was John and of course John baptized Jesus and the Apostles uh, look at Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 1 to show that Acts chapter 1 verse uh twenty one and twenty two. <clears throat> you know, when when the disciples, when when the disciples followed Jesus, you know, Andrew and Peter and James and John, they'd already been baptized. Before they ever met Jesus. John had baptized him. And there's no reference anywhere that Jesus baptized. Him because he didn't. John did. In Acts chapter one, verse twenty one, it says Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, notice, beginning from the baptism of John, until that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be witness with us of his resurrection. So it began, they were with him from the beginning, and it began with the baptism of John. Jesus and the disciples were baptized by John. John was first baptized. And Jesus gave the apostles, which made up the first church, authority to baptize. Look at John chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. You know, it's my opinion that Jesus never baptized anyone. His disciples did it. John chapter 4, verse 1 says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, notice, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. You know, it gives Jesus credit for baptizing disciples, but actually those who actually did the baptizing were the disciples. But Jesus authorized it. He gave them authority to baptize. He commissioned them in Matthew 28 to baptize. Those that would be saved. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, uh, then they gladly received his word were baptized. They baptized 3,000 3, on, on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 8, you find Philip going out from the church at Jerusalem uh, as a result of the persecution. He, he's going out uh, of the church of Jerusalem. He goes to Samaria. Uh, Acts chapter 8 verse 5 says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Verse 12, when they believed Philip, preaching things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And, and of course, then the apostles came there also. So so uh, uh, he commissioned them. They, they, they baptized. Philip was sent out from the church of Jerusalem, was baptized. Peter went out from the church of Jerusalem to Cornelius, the first Gentile, in Acts chapter 10, verse 48. And he baptized Cornelius and those who were with him. By the way, Peter wasn't by himself. Acts chapter 11 verse 12 says there were six brethren went with him, traveled with him, and, and they testified as to what happened when the Holy Ghost came upon them and, and they were baptized. And then, of course, we find in Acts chapter 13 that Paul and Barnabas are sent out of the church at Antioch separated by the Holy Ghost, said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein to have called them. And, and they, they sent them away, verse uh, 3 tells us. And of course, they went out from Antioch with the authority to preach the gospel and baptize the converts and establish churches. So a scriptural administrator is a New Testament Baptist church. A church. A church has the authority To baptize. Now when we think of a New Testament Baptist church. We're talking about a church. That holds to the doctrines of the New Testament scriptures. And of course the proper mode and method. And subject of baptism. So. your Baptism is not. You know, some have the idea that baptism, well, that's just another ritual I've got to go through, or that's a sacrament that has saving grace, or, or, or you know, uh, no, it has real meaning. It is, we are to commanded to do it in obedience to the Lord, and I believe it pleases the Lord, but it, the, the picture that we are presenting here is that I am dying to self. I've received Christ as my Lord and my Savior, as my Master. And I am dying to self. And I'm going to come up out of that water. I'm resurrecting to new life. I'm going to live for God. And so it's an outward testimony of an inward work of grace in the heart. Of one who has received the Lord Jesus Christ. As Lord and as Savior. So have you been scripturally baptized? Were you baptized after you're saved? Proper method? Message? And a proper administrator. Might God help us to follow the principles that God puts forth in his word, and to proclaim the truth of his word. You know, the message is, I'm no longer living for self, but now I'm resurrecting to live for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the testimony of scripture and the examples that it gives us. Father, we thank you for Caleb and his obedience to follow you in water baptism this evening. Father, I pray that there be others here in our midst tonight who have never truly followed you scripturally to the waters of baptism, testifying of a work of grace in their hearts and a surrender of their life to you as Lord and Master. I pray that you just work in their hearts. Help them surrender to you. We do pray in Jesus' name.